Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today we're going to be talking about the policies and politics of COVID-19 when it comes to education and education choice. Joining me to discuss this is the Director of External Relations and a few student advocates from the American Federation for Children. First, the Director of External Relations, Katie Linehan. Katie, thank you so much for Zooming in. Yeah, thank you, Dan, for having us on this episode. We really appreciate the opportunity. Of course. And coming with Katie are two student advocates. First, Walter Blanks Jr. Walter, thank you so much for Zooming in to talk with us today. My pleasure. I'm happy to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, of course. And then we also have Nathan Cunneen. Nathan, thank you so much for joining the podcast conversation as well. Thank you, Dan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. So when we talk about education choice, a lot of the national conversation seems to be about how policies and the situations surrounding education decisions affects teachers or how it affects the system, scare quotes around that, writ large. But today, I'd like us to talk a little bit more about how it affects students. And I think we are really uniquely placed to have this awesome conversation with our guests today. Katie, can you actually talk to our listeners a little bit about your organization, maybe introduce them to what you guys do? Sure. So the American Federation for Children and American Federation for Children Growth Fund, we seek to empower families, especially lower income families, with the freedom to choose the best K-12 education for their children, which a shorter way to say that is we advocate for school choice across the country. And we are involved in several states and have operations there where we try and often succeed in getting legislation passed that will give families more opportunities to choose the best school for their child. That's awesome. I'll start with Walter. Walter, can you talk to our listeners? What is your personal relationship? How did you become involved with American Federation for Children? How about you tell our listeners your origin story with this organization? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am the beneficiary of school choice. I'm from the the great state of of Ohio, and the the public school that I was attending was on academic watch and low-performing for for many years, so I was eligible for um, the Ed Choice Scholarship. Took advantage of that from sixth grade all the way through graduating high school, and beat a statistic right there, being a a high school graduate, being a a black male, um, living in inner city, um, and then graduated college four years later. Another broken statistic, but when it comes to AFC, I quickly realized how political and somewhat divisive this this issue is of school choice. And I always thought it was interesting because from my perspective as a student, I just wanted a better education. My parents just wanted a better education. You know, who would blatantly disagree with that or or work to oppose that? And so quickly became familiar with the the hostileness that that comes along with this particular issue. Um, and then I realized that not only could I have a, a strong presence in this space, but I'd also have a unique perspective being a student, a former student who benefited from these various policies that AFC is working so hard to fight for for students across the country. And so I graduated college about a year ago and then just moved moved out to DC shortly after graduating, and and now I work for AFC full time because I believe that every child should have the same opportunity that I did, and um, 
it's not just the educational aspect of it, but that's really important. You know, we're talking about the quality of life for these students, the ability to dream big, but then also equipping them with the tools to reach those dreams. Like I have pretty, pretty big aspirations. I plan to occupy the White House for, for eight beautiful years um, <laughs> in the future. But, but that, that comes from being well-equipped through my education and having um, the confidence in myself and the, the mental capacity to be able to reach for such a high office. And so every kid should have that. Every kid should be able to not only dream big, but have the tools required to reach those dreams. And so that's my story. And that's why um, I'm passionate about the work that I do. Yeah, well, I can, I can totally hear your passion, Walter. Really excited to continue our conversation. Nathan, frankly, same question to you. How did you get involved with the American Federation for Children? And tell us your personal origin story, let's say. Okay, uh, I too was a beneficiary of school choice. I actually started off my academic career in private school, which makes my story a little interesting only because I'm ashamed to say that I really took it for granted. I was in a private school on the Florida tax credit scholarship for eight years. And once I neared high school age, um, I begged my parents to let me go to a, a normal public school. And as soon as I got there, my opinion on the issue changed very, very quickly because my grades plummeted. Um, I struggled uh, with being in a much larger environment. I struggled not having relationships with my teachers. And I was having such a difficult time for a few years that I ended up actually going back to private school and finishing my academic career there. And the point that I always like to hit home is it's an amazing thing that I was able to do that, that I had the choice and the option to go back and receive the education that I needed. And it's always something that I keep in the back of my mind that there are a lot of kids in this country and there are a lot of states where you know, students don't have that option. You know, if they're stuck in a failing school, if they're stuck in a failing situation, then then they're just that they're stuck. And I think that's really what attracted me to the school choice issue was the fact that, you know, we work every day to try to provide an opportunity for more kids to get the same opportunity that we have. Um, my official designation with AFC is I'm a future leaders fellow, and it's a group of students. Um, I'm still a current college student. And we're all past beneficiaries of school choice from all over the country. And we work together, uh, you know, to be advocates of our own stories and our own experiences to show why this is something that this country desperately needs. Yeah, I think that's really awesome and awesome work from both you guys. I do want to bring in a couple elements, a couple newsy elements. So we're recording this podcast on August 26th, likely not going to be um, published right near this date, but I want to let our listeners know what point in time we're at because we're just coming off the heels of the two major political parties in this country, the two major nominating conventions, national conventions. For the group here, you know, Walter, Nathan, and Katie, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what education choice looks like in either the platform or the position of those two major parties? I mean, what was the conversation or what different messaging was there about school choice at those conventions? Sure. So I think Walter has written recently about the Biden-Harris opportunity to, I guess, talk about school choice and highlighting the lack of doing so. Certainly anyone who's tuned in for both conventions would notice that the issue of school choice has come up more often this week at the Republican convention. But, you know, both parties really should be focusing on 
education and how we can educate all kids in America and give them the opportunity for the best education possible all the time. But certainly during COVID, the fact that it's not being discussed enough last week, I think was noticeable. Yeah. Walter, Nathan, anything to add? Yeah, well, well, to to piggyback off of off of what Katie said, to discuss it a little bit a little bit deeper. Um, so the op-ed that I wrote um, it was published by um, Education Post, and, and in that op-ed, I talk about you know of course the fiery exchange between Biden and Harris last year at the the Democratic debates over busing, and you know some of the correlations between that and school choice. Now, you know we haven't we we have heard a little bit of of Biden's education plan, and from from my perspective, it's 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 very anti school choice. Um, he he said things like he will have a um, you know an NEA member as the um, secretary of education, and it would be a teacher centric department of education. And for me, that's alarming because you know why why aren't we having a student centric department of education? And and so there have been small jabs like that over the past year or so that would lead me to believe that school choice would not be a very important issue. I mean, education, I mean, of course it has to be, you know, as president, but I don't think school choice will be something that is pushed heavily under a um, Biden-Harris presidential ticket. But I have absolutely loved seeing the school choice take the national stage at the RNC this this week. And it's a little discouraging because kind of like what Katie was saying, this should be a discussion across the board. It shouldn't be, you know, when you think of school choice, you shouldn't just think of Republicans. You should think of everyone in Congress working to to give children more access. I mean, that's all that's all we're asking for. Equal access to better schools. And and like I said, to most people that would be a no-brainer. But um, when you have, you know, groups like the teachers unions or other special interest groups ultimately not looking out for the best interests of students, um, you know, you get to where we are now. And so absolutely love the way I mean the way I see it. Whether Trump wins, whether Biden wins, I think that school choice will stay at the national level. And, you know, regardless, either person is going to have to answer. And if it's an answer that, you know, parents and families don't like, then they're going to, they're going to fight. They're going to mobilize and do everything they can for their babies, which is exactly what, what my parents did. And so it'll really be interesting to see how school choice and that conversation evolves over the next few months. Nathan, uh, what's your take? So I definitely second everything that Walter said, and I think that it's, with a little bit of thinking, I think the two uh, major party conventions really, really make it easy to see who's in the pro and who's in the con category over school choice. And I think that the central um, point that was hit, and Walter mentioned this, is that the Biden-Harris ticket has promised to make an education department that's teacher-centric. And you said this at the beginning of this podcast is, you know, we're here to talk about the students. And I think that that's really important. And I love that AFC seeks to serve that need because students don't have a political voice. You know, the people that we go to bat for to provide school choice opportunities, they don't get to vote. So I think it's fantastic that at least one uh, major political party is, is so willing and, uh, so able to start working on promoting some of these things in the national discourse. Because if you look at it, what's really interesting is that our polling data shows that lots and lots of voters are in favor of school choice. And it's interesting to see how the Biden-Harris campaign has just been so hesitant to discuss 
school choice options and there would be administration. Yeah. I would also add that being for school choice is not being anti-teacher. So often, and I speak as I was a teacher, we uh, and teachers appreciate options as well, especially right now during COVID. And we see that with pods coming up where people are looking for educators. So I think the distinction there is the teachers union, which does not represent the voice or the interest of all teachers. That's more about money and power and other political issues. Yeah, certainly. And we're going to be sure to include Walter's article and the new polling data that Nathan was just discussing. I do want to talk a little bit about the School Choice Now Act as well. For our listeners who aren't aware of it, can one of you guys take a crack at describing what it is and then maybe why it's important? Yeah. So essentially, um, it's a few different components to this particular form of legislation, but more immediate, it would provide one-time emergency funding for scholarship granting organizations in each state. And that would be to ultimately help private schools stay open. And one thing that we're seeing across the country are private schools, you know, shutting down, um, Catholic schools, a huge, huge number of Catholic schools closing um, across the country just because, you know, they can't afford to keep their doors open. And so that's the, that's kind of the more um, immediate fix, you know, COVID, COVID related. But um, also under this act, it would provide a permanent dollar for dollar federal tax credit for contributions to um, various scholarship granting organizations capped out at $5 billion per year. Um, and the really cool thing about that, and I'll let Nathan hit on this because he comes from the state that kind of does lead the way in when it comes to the tax credit, but it would also allow states to opt in or out of this of this program. And so, you know, it puts the power and the responsibilities back onto the states to really step up and make this thing a reality for students. One thing that uh, I actually find very interesting about the School Choice Now Act, and we're going to go ahead and link to this as well in the show notes, is how well it keeps with some of the ALEC model policies and principles that we have at our organization. So we have two model policies specifically that connect with it, both the Education Savings Account Act and the Great Schools Tax Credit Program Act. Those are two model policies that policy-interested folks and state legislators themselves will be interested to check out. We'll be sure to link to it. We are coming a little bit here to the end of our segment today, but I want to give all of our guests a moment for their final say. All of our listeners on the Across the States podcast are either state policy wonks, state legislators, or just highly engaged folks who care about local government. So that's your audience. Katie, what's the one take home that you want to make sure state legislators and other interested state policy-minded folks take home from this discussion? I think the most important thing for listeners to take away is not only the AFC is interested in helping states craft and pass important legislation that helps families, but to really understand that young people like Walter and Nathan and thousands, hopefully millions of children across the country really benefit from these programs. And Walter and Nathan speak to the importance and the urgency of 
passing school choice legislation so more kids in America can see the success that these young men have been able to achieve. Through our Future Leaders Fellowship Program, I've just been blown away by the young people we've met who can speak personally and profoundly about the impact these policies have had on their life and their future. Walter, Nathan, same point to you guys. I think Katie really hit it on the head when she said urgency. Obviously, in, the, in this COVID world, Walter hit on how there's a lot of private schools that are closing their doors. And I think people are underestimating how much that affects the public school system, too, because as we start to feed more private school kids that are, that are phased back into the public school system as their schools close, you're going to create both uh, an overpopulation problem and a health problem now in, in this COVID world. So I think passing these relief bills, providing more options for more students to have choice over their education is absolutely necessary in this coming semester in these uh, tumultuous times. Yeah, and I think for me, it's, you know, when you're coming from a, a policy standpoint, we have to start creating policy that echoes the, the voices and the needs of parents and families. We can no longer have governments, you know, making decisions, but not in the trenches, you know, on the streets, talking to families, boots on the ground type of deal. And so, you know, we have to continue to listen to the needs of parents and students and, and give, them, give them what they want, give them what they're asking for, you know, for a, a public school district to say, we're just going all online. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't meet the need for every single family. And so, uh, we need to work to give families that flexibility based off of what they need, what works for them during this time. And, and of course, like everyone has, has said, you know, the fierce urgency of now, as, as Dr. King would say, we have to we have to do something now. We have to we have to start working together, pulling both sides of the aisle together to get something through for these students. Well, that's been another episode of Alec Across the States. I've been your host, Dan Reynolds. Let me thank our guests from the American Federation for Children. First, the Director of External Relations, Katie Linehan. Katie, thank you so much for helping organize this great conversation today. Thank you. And two student advocates from the American Federation for Children. First, Nathaniel Kanin, and we also had Walter Blanks Jr. Thank you guys so much for giving us your firsthand perspective. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. And if you're interested in having your ideas featured on Alec Across the States, don't hesitate to email us at acrossthestates at alec.org. And please do rate us wherever you find your podcasts. Helps us find some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council. <laughs>